Welcome to Innovators Unleashed. Join your host, leadership expert, Clinton Henry, as he embarks on a journey through the realm of talent leadership, engaging with trailblazing thought leaders from around the world. Here's your host, Clinton Henry. Today, we're talking with Aaron Trahan. Aaron is a senior level executive leader with over 15 years of experience in both public company corporate environments and early stage startups. He's been at the forefront of driving go-to-market strategies, overseeing key growth initiatives, and spearheading people and organizational development. But what sets Aaron apart is his unwavering passion for personal development and his commitment to helping individuals elevate from good to great. Let's dive in. So, Aaron, I'm, I'm so excited you're here. You know, in, in a lot of your material, you talk about having a performance mindset. Can you define what that is? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, first and foremost, thanks for having me, Clinton. Love, love what the podcast is all about. Love the message. So happy to uh, happy to be here. Um, yeah. So let's talk about what performance mindset actually is. I think we're all aware, especially those tuning in to your pod, um, kind of the universal standard definitions made famous by Carol Dweck at Stanford on the fixed mindset versus growth mindset. Um, And while that's a good generic starting place, I've really found something pretty interesting when it comes to those who identify with a growth mindset. And that is that just about 70 to 80% of every room is going to raise their hand when you ask, do they identify with a growth mindset? Do they believe that with the proper amount of time, energy, and effort, you can develop your capabilities, enhance your intelligence, overcome obstacles? Sure, I I believe it all. Um, A lot of people say all the right things, post all the right things, but thoughts and beliefs only take you so far. And if there's no action behind those beliefs, that's where so many people never truly live out that internal belief of what a growth mindset is. And so when I mention performance mindset, it is to action what the growth mindset is to thinking and believing. So people with a performance mindset have all the right thoughts, think all the same things as the growth mindset, but the big difference comes in that willingness and desire to actually put those thoughts into practice. They're willing to invest in themselves. They're more focused on what more they're capable of achieving. And there is a sense of urgency with how they approach their day over day with leveraging kind of the concept of continuous improvement. So it really comes down to what thinking is to a growth mindset versus taking the action behind it with a performance mindset. So really, it's about having, you know, I, I believe this, but I'm going to hold myself accountable to action those things that I that I believe about myself. Is that fair? That's right. Yeah, it's 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 that missing bias for action that a lot of people with a growth mindset have. And, you know, it's yeah, when you go out and start operating on the edges of your capabilities, it, it does get a little scary. It can be uncertain. It can be overwhelming. And that's why so many people even if they may be quote unquote successful by external standards are still kind of stuck in their own status quo. They've kind of developed their own comfort zone 
and really know deep down they're not playing their best game. They're not tapping into anywhere close to their full potential or being the best version of themselves because this level of success is just comfortable. Um, so they may say all the right things, but when you really take that magnifying lens and look at their daily actions, habits, routines, there's no, there's no propeller forward of them continuing to reach those new and new levels of, of achievement, accomplishment, and their own potential. That's kind of what it's that action piece that separates just the growth mindset from the performance mindset. So what what makes what's the difference? Because you, you said something very interesting there about people that are successful, but they kind of they stop, you know, they kind of plateau. Mm. What's what's sort of the difference between those individuals that plateau at a certain level of success and continue um, to to and those that continue to grow? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that question because it's, it's really something that I've been, you know, studying and observing since I was, you know, a young intern. I, I, I was fascinated to watch these, you know, different groups of successful leaders and professionals, but I started to notice a, um, I started to notice a group that always continued to find new levels of success. And then there was the groups that, you know, just just kind of plateaued out. They they more or less coasted on prior achievements and accomplishments. Um, and I wanted to examine that further. Was there a formula there? Was there something I could distill down to a you know a simplified checklist that if you do these three things, you stay out of the group that starts off up and to the right and then plateaus out and starts to see that gradual decline? How do you keep that um, that overarching up and to the right trend? And it really comes down to what I've uncovered as kind of my three out success formula. Um, and I've been able to kind of boil down the differences between those two groups into really three very important things. Um, and the first thing is the group that finds those new levels, they are always out preparing everyone around them. They're typically going to be the best students. They're always doing their due diligence. They always do their homework. You're never catching these people um, off guard, unprepared. Doesn't mean they're right all the time, but there's such thoughtful insight and analysis that goes into their, their position, their approach, their thesis, whatever it may be. And so there was this sense of preparation where they're, they're just never going to stop being prepared. So that was the first thing. Second thing was they outworked everyone around them. And this isn't some hustle culture speak where it's that they weren't walking around wearing a badge on their sleeve saying, I worked 80 hours this week. When I say outworked, it's really around production. They out executed everyone around them. And, you know, we both know that time is a finite resource. We all only have 24 hours. The group that was always finding new levels of success just got more done within their 24 hours. And they optimize their approach. And you know, you knew when they got involved with something, it was going to get moved forward. They just pushed the ball forward more so than the other group. And the last one, the third one, it, this is the really important one and, and the most demonstrable. The group that found new levels of success consistently outlearned everyone else around them. So when you have success and experience, it's easy to kind of let your foot off the gas a little bit. And you know, it's it's natural to kind of feel like you're the smartest person in the room because of my achievements. And 
you're not really learning. You're more in a position of wanting to guide and advise. But this other group that continuously found new levels just were just lifelong learners. They were learning machines. It doesn't matter if they were the highest ranking person in the room. They're going to show up and make sure that they learn something from everyone where they get more context. They get a better understanding of the why. And they firmly are always looking for the catalyst around why things are working as the way they should be or more importantly, why they're not. And so that out-prepare, out-work, and out-learn was kind of that formula that always proves true that if someone can consistently check those three boxes, I've yet to see that individual not find new levels of continued success. So that's interesting. So when you, when you I know you have a lot of coaching clients that you work mm-hmm. with. Um, is there one area of those three where there that's usually the, the gap or is it is it kind of evenly spread? Yeah, you know, I, I, I would probably weight the last one um, kind of the heaviest that the the out learning aspect. And it's just kind of natural. Right. It's like after you, you know, it, it, and it kind of goes into that that equation. It's like success is great. Um, but it can't be unchecked. You can't let it all go and fuel your ego. And, you know, sometimes we, we win when we really didn't deserve to win. And so are you really learning on even your wins and your achievements? How can I get better or does it completely validate you? And so that equation of success plus experience, if it goes unchecked, it really starts leaving some doors cracked open for complacency to set in. And, once complacency starts setting in and you feel good about your uh, achievements and where it's gotten you, um, you being able to outlearn everyone else around you is just not a reality. And so it's that success plus experience, complacency sneaks in. And when I see someone who is constantly wanting to show up and be the smartest in the room, they're not in learning mode. Um, and the second that you stop learning, is when that up and to the right trajectory starts to get a little flat. And if you can't get it back, it's going to ultimately lead to a deterioration in, in your ability to generate better performance. Gotcha. So, uh, you know, you, I know you talk a lot about um, your comfort zone and mm-hmm. kind of getting out of it. Um, and maybe part of that, maybe the blocker of, of not wanting to learn more is because I'm very comfortable in my current state. What is is that the reason people don't want to get out of their comfort zone or, or what is why is it difficult for people to leave their comfort zone? Yeah, yeah, I think it's certainly one of them. Um, in, in, in there's there's no there's no overarching silver bullet, but I think it does show up on both ends of the spectrum. I think sometimes people have had a level of success that, you know, even prior maybe has um, they may have for a period of time even outperformed their own expectations. Uh, and when that happens, it kind of goes back to, you know, how how hungry can you stay, right? And there's tons of sports metaphors of what happens to championship teams after they win, or uh, in combat sports after you get the belt, you know, you come back for that uh, that that fight to defend the belt a little heavier, a little out of shape than, than you normally do, right? Um, and so, like, how do you stay in attack mode? How do you stay in learning mode? And that that new that new mindset kind of becomes comfortable that then kind of blocks out further growth. But then on the other end of the spectrum, I think there's, there's a fear level there and it's a fear of being judged. It's a fear of the unknown. It's a fear of failure. As you kind of go up the ladder, 
um, failure starts to carry more mental weight than it ever has before. I got a lot more people looking at me. I've got a whole new identity here. Um, if I try something new, if I stretch myself too far, if I really challenge myself and I, I fail, um, there's almost kind of like a, a partial identity crisis that comes with that, that people kind of stay away from. And it, it, people ultimately become their environments and, you know, James Clear of Atomic Habits fame has a brilliant quote that says, your environment is the invisible hand that shapes your habits and behavior. And if you kind of get in that environment to where you're not going to be stretched and challenged to get out of your comfort zone, it, it just inevitably makes it so easy for you to stay there. Um, and it, it's, there's, you know, it, it, when, people don't realize that staying there for too long seems like an illusion of safety in the short term, but it will always carry regret over the long term when you kind of look back in hindsight and, and realize that was a 10 year period where I wasn't even close to playing at the top of my game. Um, yeah. But it was all around just that uncomfortableness that comes with doing things that make you uncomfortable. So I think we agree that it's important to change your perspective around failure, mm -hmm. right? If, if you want to grow and uh, an upskill, uh, how do you go about doing that? Especially for somebody that might be stuck in that, like, oh, I've been in this role for like three years. You know, I, I, I don't have a lot of hay in the barn yet, but like, <laughs> like it's a pretty cushy gig. Like, you know, how do you go about taking someone like that and making them embrace failure or at least reframe what failure is to them? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's such a great question because it's, it's one that I really, really do encounter almost on a daily basis. And I hear this phrase in all of its varieties almost daily where now's not the right time, or I, I've got some other things here. So I'm just waiting for this to happen and that to happen for this to kind of set that up. And what sits behind that is we're always looking for the pure play move that is going to be a lock on an ROI of our energy effort, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so even though we kind of deep down know that there's no guarantees in life, we're all playing, you know, we're all playing the game of probabilities when it comes to taking action to move out of your comfort zone, people forget all that. It's like selective amnesia. And it's like, well, I need that perfect opportunity. I need the clouds to part. I need, someone to show up on my doorstep and deliver this perfectly presented opportunity on a silver platter. Um, when the reality is there is no perfect opportunity. There's never going to be a right time. The second that you think things will slow down and calm down in the future and that will make a better time is the biggest myth that exists. And so the big perspective shift here is there is no perfect move. There is no perfect time. There is no perfect opportunity you have to get more comfortable with taking imperfect action um, and knowing and, and understanding that all actions are going to be imperfect by some degree, but you have to start somewhere. And that first step is what ultimately leads to that second step. And then it, you, there is no substitute for taking action. There never has been, there never will be. And it kind of taking that imperfect action then kicks off that, uh, confidence, confidence loop. So when you can take imperfect action, develop any amount of increased confidence in a given area, it's going to give you more confidence that then 
creates that flywheel, making it more easy to take more imperfect action and get the flywheel spinning faster. But that will never, ever happen if you're continuing to sit back waiting on a perfect opportunity that just will never will never show up. And too many people spend, you know, essentially their full adult lives and career waiting on the opportunities that they kind of set the expectations for in their head that just never materialize. Um, so it's really that perspective shift around what type of action to take, being honest with yourself, there is no perfect action and get comfortable with imperfect action. Yeah, that's, that's so insightful. The, the idea that, you know, if you haven't failed recently, you probably aren't trying hard enough like, yeah. and failure is a good thing. And, and I love your, and I, and I love the concept of like your competence breeds confidence. Right. And right. I, I think that, that is, that is uh, so true. Are, is there something that that you see and is there a generational divide? Uh, I was just talking to someone um, the other week about, um, you know, um, the millennial generation, which is effectively like 40 percent of the workforce now right. versus like the younger generation coming up versus, you know, people, you know, in the, in their 50s. Is there a difference in, in mindset or perspective or are we all the same with different labels on us? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's an interesting one. And, and you know, I, I think the big difference that I see is especially with the younger generation is you just, you, you see a lot smaller percent of the talent pool that's just willing to do something for the next 40 years of their life that they don't enjoy doing. They want to, you know, that, that, that would require them to grind through, and they have zero connection to the overarching purpose or mission of the organization, to the leadership team or the company. I think those days are, are you know, starting to um, starting to end. I, I do see the big the big gap really being around, you know, what's going to create that sense of purpose and fulfillment in the work. Like, do I do I understand the mission? Does it mean something to me? And as leaders are we properly and transparently conveying that? It, it, are, we, are we making sure that that context is making its way down to more and more levels within the organization that allows more and more people to put the right people in the right positions, in the right environment, that's able to support and challenge these younger people coming into the workforce that gives them the opportunity to do their best work and be the best version of themselves. So. That's the that's the big thing that, that, that I'm kind of noticing with older generations versus younger generations. But we can even pull back a quote from 100 years ago from Henry Ford. Right. And it still comes down to whether you think you can or think you can't, you'll always be right. So it's, it's there still needs to be even even if the situation kind of going back to being imperfect I think there's a downside to that in that younger generation, you can't wait for the perfect company with the perfect mission, the perfect role and the perfect opportunity. Sometimes you don't know what your passions are until you go through some trial and error and experience. And there is going to be a grind and grit factor there to really find that out, but it should not create inaction. I think the biggest thing is with people young, you know, on the younger side of their career, just starting out is, be active, you know, experience, develop those skills, fail. Um, but more importantly, be incredible students of that failure and, and take those learnings 
to apply it for the rest of your career. Inaction is the absolute worst thing possible. That's going to be the kryptonite. Yeah. Wow. I, I mean, that was so well said. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I think ending it there makes a lot of sense because that's a great note for Cause I mean, we have a lot of people that, that are, that are, that are leaders on this podcast that listen to this podcast and the, and the, and the point you made about empowering your people and giving them a bit of purpose in the organization is, is an important takeaway as well um, yeah. as we work by ourselves too. So, so thank you so much, Aaron. I, I really appreciate everything that you do. Uh, I'll post all your uh, links in the show notes. Um, okay. So again, thank you so much for spending time with me in the audience today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was, this was a fun one. That's it for today's episode of Innovators Unleashed. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review and share the podcast with others. Follow your host on social media at The Clinton Henry or visit him on the web at www.clintonhenry.com. Until next time.